0: it here so ladies and gentlemen what a hiatus you know both uh my good friend here mr charles hugh smith and i have both been very busy we've tried to record but it was just we would just decide just life would happen like i was in the middle of trying to run a business charles had some family stuff he was taking care of um and then you just got busy with other stuff too i mean you're a busy guy i'm a busy guy but finally it's November first. And something I forgot to say, Charles, before we started recording is it's a very special day for me, Charles, because it's been officially one year since uh Time Warner was kind enough to give me this nice care package to get out of corporate America one year <laughs> ago today. So I've officially no been one year of not on not having to work for anybody else but myself. So that's uh that's kind of cool, man. I, I wrote out uh I rode out everything I can, so I'm I'm riding it out. I'm riding it out, riding riding dirty. No, I'm just teasing. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, we start these shows all the time. We have a lot of stuff we want to talk about. Um, but let's start as usual. This is two beers with Charles, and I'm drinking char- uh, cider. Shout out to Steve Patterson as usual, who was two beers with Steve um, before he handed it off to my good buddy Christophonic, which is now Choice Conversations. I am drinking. A local hard cider, it is Mad Moon Hard Cider, the unglued caramel apple, made with Sally's Caramel, Columbus, Ohio, 6% ABV. Um, They just opened a tap room It's around the corner, it's probably three miles from my house, I still haven't gone there, because it's it's only uh, open on Saturdays, so um, shout out to Peter Moon and Mad Moon Cidery. What are you drinking this evening, Charles?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm still stuck in the rut of, uh, Kona brewery. Uh, you know, they have a couple of IPAs and, uh, then they have a, uh, a, a lager and, and so, and an ale. And so, uh, I'm drinking one of their IPAs, uh, uh, big wave. So, um, and you know, it, it's, uh, there's not that many micro breweries here on the big Island yet. There's one local, uh, microbrewery here in hilo and but uh there's just uh, it, the the wave the boom hasn't 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 struck here yet so well, I, I i have a limited choice
0: i think a lot of that has to do with uh you know when you go on the ocean and you just hang out on the ocean and you're on an island and you're on your own world you just you know it's maybe you don't like to drink as much I mean, maybe people just like harder <laughs> drugs sometimes. Because I think I think Hawaii has some issues. Well, according to Dog the Bounty Hunter, uh, just making some Dog the Bounty Hunter jokes. But uh, eventually, it will come. I mean, it's an island; it takes a little bit longer. I'm on a different kind of island within the Midwest, so we just we just opened more breweries here in Columbus. I don't even know how many there are. Now it's just a thing; like everybody's opening a brewery. So. We'll see how many of them stay open, but hey, it's a good problem to have. They all make pretty good beers. So I'm not too upset about them.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course there there will be a shakeout, um, but it'll it'll all be uh, all to the better because you know, 20 years ago there were zero. You know, I mean, so we've Absolutely. got a whole new industry. Well, let's talk about um, you know, let's talk about the whole economy, the the move from. Uh, the security of, of working for Eastman Kodak for your whole life or IBM or, <laughs> Time you know, Warner Cable,
0: I, which is now Spectrum. Time,
1: yeah, yeah, now Spectrum. Um, and that whole era is is fading, you know, for a lot of reasons we've already talked about. And so, you know, you're sort of left uh, with, with, you can work for the government, you know, the city, county, state, or federal, or you're exposed to um, the the curse of freedom and responsibility over your own career. You know, in other words, there is no there is there there is no security in the in the weekly paycheck. But so the security has to come from another source, um, which we've also talked about. Which like N- Nasim Tal- Talib describes as. Um, you know, like a resilience. In other words, you have multiple income streams that you control. And, and when something stops working, it, it doesn't devastate your life. You just, you know, you can adjust. And so that's what I see you doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely, and I've read uh, Anti Fragile and uh, Fooled by yeah. Randomness. And I haven't read The Black Swan yet. I've been reading, I read a lot of Thomas Sowell too, and Wendell Berry and Gene Loxton too. So I've been on this weird, it's quite an eclectic group. So it's I got the hillbillies of Wendell Berry and Gene Lockson. And then I got uh the hillbilly philosophers and Thomas Sowell <laughs> and uh Nasim Nicholas Taleb. Uh yeah, I, that's definitely what I've been doing. I think that was that was the key. I think um when I first started the show, I mean, thankfully I decided to start the show so I could um use my continue to build my social network. But I, I think, you know, it was kind of one of these things, Charles. That you and I, we we kept having conversations, and you know, I read, um, get a job, build a real, build a real career, defy a blistering economy, and that, and that was a lot of stuff that you talked about in your book. And then we we'd have these conversations, and uh, you were like, "Hey, let's try to talk once a month." And for me, I was like, "Oh man, I don't know why I'd want to do that," but I guess I better keep stepping up my game if I want to be worthy of that. It was kind of like one of those things where somebody like puts confidence in you or sees something in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself. So, um, from there, you know, I've, I've kind of been on this journey of incubating businesses and, and we've, we've talked about all this and, um, but now I'm actually doing it. So it's been a year and, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just hustling. Like it's, it's, it's all it is. And it's, it's a lot more fulfilling. It's a lot, it's better to know that you know, like last last week um, we were talking about before I'm going to go to the Renegade University event with my good buddy, Brett Vinat of the School Sucks Project. And then um, maybe soon, good buddy Thaddeus Russell, um, you know, once I go out there and meet him in person. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's nice to know that I don't have to request time off. Like, but what I do need to do is hustle and have enough money that I, I'm not going to be in a bad position when I come back. So a lot of it's just planning. I mean uh I I uh, you know finding accounting um accounting uh systems. So I I did the profit first system that was something I I did this year that's been humongous which which we talked about before where you know you you run your business off 30% of your revenue. Uh you pay yourself 50%, you save 15% for taxes and then you put 5% in an account for a profit and that's your quarterly bonus that you just pay yourself. If you have debt, you use that to pay off debt and then, but you first celebrate a little bit with that money. So, you know, it's just having, having that. And then, uh, I read some Dave Ramsey books for my personal accounting and listened to it really quick. So I didn't have to, uh, listen to everything, but just try to get the gems. So I think the, the biggest thing was for me to become responsible was having a budget, like lowering my bills and reducing my bills and just knowing, you know, what, what do I need? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting today I was delivering pizzas in these fancy downtown buildings and I'm just wearing my Dickie's jacket that I paid $20 for from Walmart and my, my jeans that I earned the holes in. Like I, I, I put those holes in those jeans that didn't buy them that way. And it's cold and rainy and I'm going in there and it's like, man, a year ago today, I was one of these people sitting in an office ordering food and now I'm delivering food and man, is my life so much better and it's, it's better because it's uh, the freedom of, of scheduling knowing that I'm in power and you know what I mean? And then if, and also too, man, like I don't do business with people I don't want to do business with. Like thankfully delivering food, I, I don't have to deal with the assholes. I just say, Oh yeah, call, call, skip the dishes or, you know, call the company or, or I'll just try to take care of it. Most people, most people don't hate a delivery guy. Like most people are really happy to see you because they have your food. Um, and then hopefully they'll give me some money too when I get there for a nice tip. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, um, it's been nice, man. It's, it's, uh, I don't make, I don't make close to as much money as I did, but man, it sure is nice having the freedom. It, It sure was nice this summer when my, um, my grandmother had passed away this summer. So, it was sure nice to when I found out she was in the hospital to be able to drop everything I was doing and go up there and see her. And I didn't have to I didn't have to ask anybody's permission but my own. And and that that alone is I think or when my grandfather needed me, um we we basically we kind of we kind of hustled uh we kind of hustled the state of Indiana because he had he's old and he forgot to pay taxes on this property because he just hated this property and he couldn't get rid of it. And so they were trying to, uh, they're trying to take the property from him. They told him he wasn't allowed to pay taxes and they're putting up for auction. And then this lady, um, that he sold his initial property to had lost her number and she ended up calling him saying she wanted the other property. So we were like, great. If you just pay the taxes, we'll give it to you for free. So we, I, drove up to Toledo, took him to Indiana and him and I spent a whole day in this little town in Indiana. And we got all the dots and T's crossed and got this lady, this property. And it was like, you know, my grandpa can barely walk now. And it's, so it was nice to be able to, to go there and do that for him. And then him be proud that he showed me a way that we said, it could say F you to the state of Indiana. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I I can't, um, I can't put I I really can't put a uh, it's hard to put into words how much better my life is just because now I can live it on my values. I don't I don't have anybody else that um, that's really harassing me. One of my neighbors recently complained, Charles, and I thought about sicking you in the blog on the city. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just talk to this person from the city because I had this giant stack of wood chips, and one of my neighbors apparently didn't like it. But I thought it was just the city coming after me. And she said, no, it was an anonymous complaint. What are the wood chips for? Then I just started talking to her about my farm and everything. And she said, well, look, I'm not going to prosecute you or do anything as long as I see that pile going down. And I was like, okay, cool. And you know, what? And I told her what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my neighbors and make sure everything's good with my neighbors. So that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's been, um, you know, I, I've i just kind of come to realize that, uh I'm. I like. I'm good with people, and I can talk to people. And most people don't like going to their jobs. So if I can be that shining part of their day, to where I'm just, I I help, I help them remember that they're human too, and they're not just some cog in the machine. It it makes my life go by a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me um, l- let me uh comment. Uh, on a couple of aspects of that, and then I'm going to ask you another question. Is that um, what really impressed me is what you just said about you get to live your own values. And um, I've been thinking a lot about scarcity. And you know, scarcity in 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 a capitalist system is part of the supply and demand, right? And so when there's a scarcity, something is in demand, like people want it, but there's not enough of it. Um, and then um, that's the opportunity that you jump in and you fill fuf- you know, you that scarcity, then, then you have pricing power because people want it and they're willing to pay a premium. And when things are overly abundant, then there's no pricing power and they're basically not worth very much. And so this um, economist, Michael Spence, um, who won the Nobel Prize for describing the difference between tradable stuff in the global economy and non-tradable stuff, like you know you can you can make a, a mobile phone anywhere and ship it so that's tradable but you can't get a haircut in china i mean that's going to cost you a couple grand to get there right so Absolutely. uh <laughs> so anyways when it, he's he's, co- he's constantly talking about the part of why the economy is changing at these fundamental ways is like the the whole um normal capital like the kind of capital that uh, you know the, the, the fat cats have access to and um, normal labor you know like the average person with sort of normal skill sets those things are in abundance globally you know there, there's lots of fat fat cats with unlimited credit lines so normal capital has got no scarcity value which is why you can borrow money you know if you're rich at very low rates and in normal labor it's just unfortunate but there's a huge oversupply of of people willing to work around the world right and that's what globalization does is it brings in billions of other workers well, into every every economy
0: and cheap labor at that i mean you just look at like the mexican population in columbus ohio or you know one thing i was telling you was skip the dishes it got like it got to the point when i first started doing it again where it was so crowded because all the immigrants are after the opportunity and they don't necessarily have the same understanding of american culture um different things i mean they're there to do the work but they don't necessarily understand like the difference or the the aspect of culture of of what americans like or what americans appreciate and there was there's definitely like some conflict there and, um, and so it's, and it's like, so for me, like I've actually gotten people to give me extra tips because they're happy to see that like, you know, Hey, I put the food in the hot bag or something like that. But, uh, you know, not just that, I mean, even with, uh, contracting with landscapers construction, um, you know, my friend, uh, who we talked last time we talked, I was talking about my buddy who, who does the, the shadow broker, and that's Shadow Broker, but the shadow inventory and works with those houses, and he started outsourcing jobs just because it was like you know if I can pay somebody eight dollars an hour and they're going to work harder than American and not complain, who who I would pay a hundred dollars an hour, um, why wouldn't I do that? And it's it, it's like a tricky thing, and I think it's you know something like just to to touch on that something that people us as Americans need to realize is that in even though like i'm not for the global economy like i'm I'm definitely i would prefer us to get away from it but i i we're in a position we're in the best position in the global economy where our dollar is still worth something and we can leverage that and by us leveraging that like we we could outsource a lot of things that we wouldn't normally outsource that we wouldn't think to outsource so um i had a point of that and i also wanted to tie into cheap labor and there is some some conspiracies which we'll get into later of the uh, all the immigration and why they're they're down for open immigration and a lot of it. Some theories are that the big European companies want the cheap labor, so that's why they're 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 saying let's open up the borders, so then they don't have to pay because they won't have to pay them as they as they pay the native Europeans. So I don't know. Sorry, Charles, I went on a few tangents there, but
1: no, no, that well sense. that's. Well, that's certainly the impetus here in the states, right? That the uh, the big corporations are always fans of open immigration because that's um, that's their labor's their cheap labor supply. And as long as you can make labor, uh, it's as long as it's an oversupply, then then wages um, are under pressure, right? So the only time that the cost of labor can go up is if labor scarce, you know, or the skills you're bringing to the table are scarce. So. But I, I want to go back real quickly to this, uh, this scarcity thing, because what I think is scarce in our society isn't even recognized, you know, and what 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 the scarcity we all feel is the scarcity of power and control over our own lives. And that's yeah. been lost. It's been eroded. So it's it's very hard to fill that scarcity because it doesn't have economic value. You know, in other words, it actually costs you to get that freedom because you have to give up, um, a lot of your salary and benefits from corporate America or the government to get that. But that's why it's scarce is that so few people understand the value of it, but, um, it's actually the most valuable thing (laughs) because you can't buy it. You know, you, you, you can't go out and say, I want to buy a livelihood, um, where I have freedom and control. No, it doesn't work like that. You can buy a, a, a phone or you can, pay an accountant or something but you can't buy an entire livelihood you have to make that on your own and that's what you're doing and so the trade off is you you get to live the way you want to live and and follow the values you want nothing's dictated to you and that that if you value that then you understand wow that's really the gold that's the gold because that's what's scarce in our society most people don't you know they have to do what the boss says, do what the administrator says, and um, and then their lives become quite often this very um, this grind where they don't like their work, they don't like their boss, they don't like their coworkers. Uh, they're either picking up the slack from lazy coworkers in the government that, that because nobody gets fired in the government, so there's a lot of slackers and uh, people that just do the minimum to get by, and they know that you know they'll they they do they're not going to get fired, so. So they don't have any motivation to work really hard. Or there's some other thing like that, and then your life gets really trivialized. And then pretty soon you're whining that somebody stole your, you know mountain dew from the, you know <laughs> uh, from the office, you know, refrigerator or something. you know, and 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 we all know this if if you know somebody that works in a bureaucracy, Then, you know, that's how life becomes. Those are always
0: those were always the funniest emails, though. That was something (laughs) I missed was this one guy (laughs) because it would be like the retail side at Time Warner. It would be like a retail tech support. So those people always probably had really good demeanors from having to deal with angry customers that just got off work and all they want to do is watch TV. But something that they didn't have no control over at all. Went out and I'm paying this bill, so I'm calling time warner. and I'm gonna complain. So the he was probably one of these people that had to deal with that. And uh, but you know, that's what he got paid to do. So I got this email and he sent it out to the whole call center. Um, so you could you could get on this list and you would send it to the whole call center. So everybody would get this email. Then it turned into this game to where you we knew not to reply because then everybody else would start replying, and then it just turns into this this chain reaction of worthless emails and your outlook. And, uh, this guy sent this picture of, of his frozen meals that he likes to bring. And apparently somebody had been eating his frozen meals before he could every day. <laughs> and he would, <laughs> I think he'd bring like a week's supply and people would see it in there and they'd go in there and eat it. So it was, it was super hilarious. So, but yes, that does happen in corporate America. And, you know, you go in there and, 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 uh, I mean, there is one thing like I, I don't have the time or I don't have, it's not that I don't have the time. I just don't have a habit of reading your blog anymore. And it's not that I don't want to read it. Like I'll read it when I remember to, but it's a lot of it is because I'd be sitting in my desk at work and I would, I'd read your blog and then I'd read Scott Adams blog and then I'd peruse down zero hedge and I'd, I'd look at all this stuff. But now it's like I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, well, what do I have to do today? Like who, what appointments did I make? Because I'm still trying to get better at having my own schedule and scheduling out my own stuff. And it's like, okay, well, you need to work on a podcast. You need to make sure, you know, do you want to go talk to more restaurants today? So what, what do we need to do to, to pay our bills? And that's kind of like, that's the conversation I have on a daily basis. What do I need to do to keep doing this? So a lot of times it's weird because still, I'm still subscribed to you with uh, Feedly. And I like, and I'll read it occasionally. And I know uh, Damon Bingman and Fred and everyone. They're like, "Oh man, have you checked out Charles's blog? He's been so spot on." And it's like, "No, I need to, man. I need to get in the habit of that." So that that was a weird thing, man. Like there was even like weird things around the house to where, like I used to scoop the litter of my cats every day because every day I'd get home from work, I would know, okay, I'm gonna go scoop that litter. Then I'm gonna make dinner. Then I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. So, I had a little bit more structure, and so i need to I need to impose more structure on myself. Um, but to get back to what you're saying about the scarcity of that is it's just it's just having resourcefulness, man, and it's a skill. It's nothing you can buy. It's just a skill you need to develop, and it's something that I'm still developing. Like I've been pretty clever and I've been pretty pretty lucky to to have been able to get my house or to have been able to to have this arrangement with Rich um to where it makes my life a lot easier or and you know and a lot of that is just you know from reading your book what am i good at i'm good at the, having social capital so what can i leverage so i'm going to leverage my social capital and i think too understanding the word leverage and how to leverage certain things um in my life or certain things that i'm good at that i can trade or certain things that I know that I can do for people that um in the end I can get a favor in return so I think it's um I think that's the biggest thing but it's it just goes back to resourcefulness and I think uh you know just like in your book where you say people need to develop skills I'm so sick of people talking about universal basic income to me it's just it's wishful thinking like you laid out in your other book and it's like man I don't I don't know how many ways we can say it. like yeah it'd be great like i'm i'm not i mean if if the government wanted to send me money i'm not uh i'm not too proud to say no i don't believe in this i'm not going to do it i'm going to be like well they're doing it and they're charging me for this in some way so i'm going to take advantage of it but um it's just we can't they they can't afford that so you know in, until until our until our whole system is redone to a way that we could afford to do that i think people need to focus on skills and learning to be resourceful learning how they can provide for themselves
1: yeah absolutely i just read this article about amazon um, and you know there's a lot of articles now about amazon and and it being basically a work in their distribution centers there's like there was an article i i commented on that um, people that can't afford to retire you know because their social security is limited and they lost their house and the in the bubble, the last bubble and all that stuff. So they're, they're working in Amazon at warehouses for, you know, eight and a half, nine bucks an hour. And they're 71, you know, That's they're crazy. And, and then, uh, so they opened one of these, uh, fulfillment centers in, in a depressed former coal town and, in, in, in England. And, you know, so people are complaining about the job and it's really hard work and, and we all know that. Hey, um,
0: um, no, I like that topic though. Cause we have, uh, Oh, boy. They're opening up a lot of those around Columbus. Um, are, are they? Oh, yeah. So we have um, – uh, there's at least two. But they have Flex, too. So I'm trying to get on Amazon Flex because it pays a lot better. But the weird thing is with these seniors, and this kind of ties into things with resourcefulness, is these are people who – man, it's it's so hard to see because – you know, they, they don't understand that. So what's, a lie, what's been a lie to me, my whole adult life, is something that worked for them until it stopped working, which is when they lost their house or whatever, which is now why they need to go back to work. So, you know, they could just get in their car and get an Amazon Flex position and go deliver and make 25 bucks an hour, be responsible for all those taxes, be responsible for all that. But in reality, you know, if you're tracking your miles tracking this you get a a fuel efficient car um you end up making pretty good money i mean you can pay your bills especially if whatever discount housing but to them they want that guaranteed paycheck so they go and they work in the warehouse so it's like uh and, and now like so flex isn't open anymore in columbus so i'm constantly on the waiting list but i know it's open in cleveland and cincinnati um but i think a lot of people There's a lot of young entrepreneurial types in Columbus, like Columbus, like we, we've discussed before, which is why I love the city. Um, It is a, a, uh, an island of entrepreneurship that, uh, isn't, it's, it's completely different than most of the Midwest. It's totally different than Chicago. Like we're the, if you go to Wikipedia, it says we're the largest small city. Like we have about 2 million people in the surrounding area, but People are now moving back into the city, like me, because it's too expensive to move out in the burbs. So, yeah, I think um, I think that it's interesting because to them, they see they're seeing an opportunity working in the warehouse instead of hey, you know, I could just drive around in my car because you know what? A lot of old people like to drive, and I <laughs> you know, and it sound like weird when I say that, but my grandpa used to love to drive. We always always like to drive. He's like, I don't want to fly. I want to enjoy my day and see the city, see the surroundings. We never would take a highway. He liked taking the back road. So it's like, so why wouldn't they do that? But then they, then they, it's like, even I've had, I've had different people say stupid things to me that to them isn't stupid, but to me it's stupid because they don't realize that I am doing something like skip the dishes to, to take responsibility for my own taxes write off my own expenses, all that stuff. And to him, he doesn't want that responsibility. In a lot of ways, it's just I remember I remember back in the day, people there's some guy in a union, my buddy Tim Smith, he used to work at the, this oil refinery. And he would say he'd get so frustrated because he was an entrepreneur on the side and say, Yeah, we get in meetings and guys are just like, look, you pay me from the neck down. That's it. I don't I'm not here to think. And it's like, you know, so I, I think I wonder with these people that are retired who are having to go back to work, how many of them didn't want to take responsibility for things like their retirement and everything else because they were told you don't have to worry about that.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. They they did what they uh, were told was correct. And then when when everything blew up, then they lost their 401ks, their house and so on. Um, I, I want to go, um, you know, we're talking about about money partly and i wanted to mention that there was uh somebody uh referred me to this uh something that an artist uh and i forget the guy's name but that um he had written about what does it take to be an artist and um and you know people ask him um and he's an american artist right and he 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 supports himself selling you know prints and stuff like that he's not world famous he doesn't sell his stuff for a million dollars he sells it for like i don't know you know 200 bucks, you know, but, and so, uh, obviously his art's affordable, but he said, well, people always ask me about, you know, the artistic side, you know, like uh, how do you stay creative and blah, blah. And he said, the really core issue is you have to be willing to be poor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's it. Yeah. That's it. And so I was going to ask you, did you, did you anticipate making maybe a third of what you were uh, making in corporate America and that you figured out how you could do that, you know, because yeah. that's kind of the kind of level of sacrifice we're we're talking about. And I was definitely poor through the 90s. And I actually took a job, you know, a paid job just, just to f- get out of being poor. But I was writing novels and, you know, writing stuff that wasn't it was making a few hundred bucks here and there, but not not enough to live on. So anyways, I've been there, done that. But I, I also wanted to ask you, yeah, about the, the realities of it. Like when you leave your corporate America or your government job, you know, can you live on half of that? Because you have to prepare for that if, in a practical sense. And then my other question is, what advice would you give people pondering doing the same thing you did, like leaving corporate America or their government job and striking out on their own? Those are
0: all great questions. And now that now that I'm here, it's hard to say, do it. I wish I could make a third of what I made at Corporate America. I'm not even, on paper, I'm definitely not making a third. So I'll say on paper. Um, I. It's hard to say. I mean, I think I'm probably going to make $20,000 this year, um, maybe. I don't even know if I'm going to make that because my business isn't even close to that. However, um, and I I made like with my severance package and everything. I t- I, according to the IRS, I made one hundred eleven thousand dollars last year. This year, I'm wow. maybe making fifteen to twenty. Um, shit, that might even be, yeah. So I I I mean, definitely having if you are if you're looking to do this again, it's what do you need? I mean, that was something. Um. Gene he before he died, he was finishing a book called uh, A Letter to a Young Contrary, Contrary Farmer. And um, that was something he said was, what do you really need? And he was talking about farming and he was talking about how you, you, you don't want to really travel because when you, when you travel, that's when your animals get out and everything else like that. So I, I haven't traveled that much. I mean, I, I've stayed within the state uh, for the most part, like I, I go and see my my dad and grandfather in Toledo um, that the most I'm, I'm going to travel is next week. And I couldn't travel if I didn't have rich. And 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 at the same time, I couldn't have rich unless I had a mortgage where I only had to pay three ten forty nine a month. So, yeah, I mean, I I I had already. So I, the biggest thing was I knew from the start. I mean, this was always an exit plan for when I got laid off. So if you were going to walk away from a job that you make, the money that I make, that I made, um, I I couldn't tell you to do that. I think that has to be your own decision. I think for me, I came to the conclusion that I'm going to ride this job out until it's done. And thankfully, I had enough good friends around me and I could I had a good enough social network of people to say, yeah, like you don't do that until, you know, you're forced to. And then because it's it stops being fun. So, now at the same time, if you can make more money than what you are or you're you have a if you have a skill or a trade where you're making more than your current job or you're making half, um that's great. I mean, something Jim Rohn used to say all the time was I think he quit when he he doubled his his full time job with his part time job, he doubled that income. So I, you know, Charles, it's it's tough to say. I mean, it's it's tough to say how that now for me. I I was definitely willing to be poor. I mean, I'm I've I've been crafty for a while. I think I I always brag about how much money I save. I don't. I mean, I my car was a thousand dollars. My truck was a thousand dollars. My mortgage is three ten forty nine a month. I live in a seven hundred and ten square foot. Home. I have a 15th of an acre. My trash can was stolen today. And it's a city trash can. That's the first thing that's ever been stolen from me. But I figured I'd throw it in. Like for some reason, (laughs) someone stole my trash can today. And it was just hilarious to me. And Rich is like, did somebody steal our trash can? I'm like, well, is it there? He's like, no. I go, well, then yeah, because I didn't touch it. So I just called the city. The city assigns it. And hopefully the city will find it because you know whatever but if not they give me a new trash can i have no idea why somebody would pick my trash can to steal but they did um so yeah i mean it's 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 hilarious i mean maybe the city accidentally took it i don't i don't know so but you know i don't live in a nice neighborhood i mean it's getting better i'm part of the cause i'm part of the change i'm being the change that i'm looking for in the world for sure but um so yeah, you have to be willing to do that stuff. I had to be willing to to give up half of my 710 square feet to pretty much a guy that I met one time in person and then have to adjust with that. And him and I have to figure out how to live together and him and I have to figure out how to get over our differences. And you know what I mean? Like just different things that you encounter when you live with someone. And so yeah, I had a, I had, a, had a become a lot more uncomfortable, but I think that you have to embrace the discomfort um, for that. And I think, you know, I, I look at um, my good friend, I like to shout him out a lot, uh, Greg Burns, who, you know, this is the first first spot I ever butchered an animal. Like I, like I processed a bunch of chickens and turkeys on his property. I just bought half a hog and him and I and his dad, we all worked up my half the hog and I made my own cuts and, and everything like that. And you know, he moved out of the suburbs and bought some land for cheap in an area that's, I mean, he already lives outside the city of Columbus about an hour, and where he lives is 20 minutes from the nearest grocery store. So, and then he took his seven kids and moved them into a uh, modular home, which is pretty much the size of a double-wide, um, and did just downsized a lot. And I think that, you know, and, and they're all happier. I mean, everyone's happier, his wife, his kids, like, he is. So I think it's, you know, what do you really value? I think before y- you can figure out if it's worth it to you, you have to figure out what you really value. And if, if you value dictating your time, you value, um, punching your own clock, waking up when you get through sleeping, um, then yeah, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. If you don't need a lot of money to pay your bills, it's definitely worth it. But it, if you're concerned with keeping up a big social life and going out and eating out a lot like I used to, then, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be difficult. But that was something that was easy for me to give up. I mean, and now when I do go out, I make sure it's with a podcast guest or a restaurant that I sell to or could potentially sell to so then I can write off that fucking bill. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, so that's did I right. answer all your questions? I mean, like, I think I did. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you you did, and I, I think um, that's I and I I imagine that some of the listeners are are probably you know listening to gather more information about how you did it because it's a dream that a lot of people have, right? A lot of people go, God, I wish you know, wish I could just bail out and run and yeah. be be my own person and of course what we're talking about here is the practicality of that which is trying to explain that it is worth it but it's going to require heavy duty permanent uh sacrifices you know and and a lot of the stuff you took for granted like you you talk about living with people you know a lot of people are always amazed like how can you guys have people living on your property and it's all like well it's normal to us i like having good neighbors and if the neighbors if the neighbors pay you rent and you, you know, you're charging them like a low rent or in your case, work trade, then it's a, it's a win-win. And, you know, I like having people around, it's more secure. And I don't know, I just, I I don't think anything of it because I've accepted it as part of the trade-off. You want to have your own little castle, you know? Um, well, then you, you got to make sacrifices for that. And if you're sacrifice is your freedom and your control, well, that's your choice. But, um, yeah. So th- you're right. It's, it does come down to what you value. But when we were talking about the whole Amazon thing, part of what we, what I wanted to talk about was this whole reality that, that people have very difficult time grasping, which is the precariousness of, of work in the, in the, in the economy, you know, outside of the government, um, that, you know, people work uh, nowadays part time, they get called in to, when there there's no work, then there's, they don't get paid, uh, you know, Amazon hires a ton of people for three months out of the year for the Christmas season, then they lay everybody off. I mean, this is the way life is now and we can not like it, but we're not not liking it doesn't change it. And so wh- that's what you're doing is trying to create a variety of permanent uh, well, I you know, think, income I think streams.
0: People need to design their lives around the fact that Amazon is only going to give you work for three months of the year. So find a trade that you don't need Amazon for, you know, the other nine months of the year. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just it. I mean, take advantage of that. Like that should be a bonus to you. Like, Oh, you know what? I just work at Amazon and guess what? If They piss me off. I'm just going to leave. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, if, yeah, you know, I don't need to be here. I'll find something else. I don't need to live on, you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't have that control over me. Like I, I refuse to give you that kind of control. So I now I have had people say, uh, you know, just different things. I mean, like I, I forget how long I've been out of corporate America. And now that I mean, my, my natural reaction to things now is people find offensive in our outrage culture, Charles, but <laughs> like, you know, I'm okay with it. I, a lot more people appreciate it. Like a lot more people I had a guy say to me, um, he was talking to me. He's he was actually met him at a at a get together I put on for the school socks. When my my buddies, driving across America right now, and my, shout out to my buddy Jess, and Jess uh, he volunteers at the it, it, he volunteers at like one of the bigger farmers markets in the city that I haven't had a chance to really become a part of because I'm new on the block, and uh, Jess said yeah something I realized is a lot of farmers are opinionated, and I really like it, and I'm like yeah I, I'm a lot more opinionated now. I'm a lot more grumpy. Maybe not grumpy, but I'm, I get all annoyed about things a lot more. And now I have something thoughtful to say about it.
1: Yeah, well, you also, uh, earlier, you mentioned that, you know, you weren't reading my blog so much because you didn't have a corporate America job where you got to, like, you know, kind of fool around and have a few minutes here and there to, to you know, surf the web, etc. And so let's talk a little bit about withdrawing from social media and, um how that changes your life, because um we we haven't really talked about it uh, specifically. And you know I myself, I, I limit it really strictly. Like I will go in and look at Twitter and uh, my Facebook feed just kind of for to scan the zeitgeist because that's part of my job is I need to see what people are posting. And every once in a while, people post you know really interesting articles that I would not have seen. But it's like if you got to limit it, you know, Um, and and so if you don't, then you get deranged. You know, you get you get you get wound up by all this like propaganda, fake news and the official fake news.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the official fake news, the alternative facts. Um, Yeah, uh, it's it's um, it's pretty awesome actually you you when you actually live life and i I think to me now i just see social networking as a tool um i don't uh i check notifications um i'll check my facebook chat like i actually like facebook messenger quite a bit because i communicate or it's, it's a good way to get a hold of me um because it's I don't I don't get bogged down with all the ads or whatever is on there. I like some funny videos on Facebook sometimes, but I typically I'm not on Facebook that often. I, I I'll I'll go and I'll see I have so many notifications and then I'll look through and I peruse it. And I barely look at it and usually sometimes I'll just like something because somebody posted it on my page and I don't even look at it. I've gotten in trouble for that actually more recently. Um, yeah i'm I'm barely on I haven't used twitter in a long time um i it's kinda dead I need to use Instagram more just for farming and my business but I don't even do that I do it for like the the farmers' market and I know people look at my Instagram and I know it posts to like uh Twitter and Facebook for me so it's a it's a good tool but uh yeah life's a lot better when you don't live on it that's for sure I mean it's um not a lot of good comes out of it. I mean, I've, I've been a big advocate of talking about the, I mean, just the fact that our, our communication, like you and I, even on this podcast, like you're one of my, one of my closest friends. I love talking to you. We were both super stoked to talk tonight, but we've never met in person. And so oddly enough, we get along great with about 35% of how humans really communicate. Like the biggest way that, you know what I mean? Like the biggest way we communicate is body language. Now, our, yeah. our posture and our body language will come out in our voice inflection, but words are the lowest form of communication. like we barely use words, like words words mean things, that's for sure. However, words don't necessarily mean the same thing that they mean to you, the same words. So if I go on Facebook and I say something to you, Charles, about a word and it means something different to you than it does me, I could get upset quickly because I don't know what your tone is. I don't know what your body language is saying to me and I don't know half of that stuff. So it's 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 just dangerous. I mean it's 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 a very um it's a very limited form of communication and I think it's it's a great way to network with people and it's a great way to meet new people like I mean like uh I would like to do more with the of two minds group that we have and I I tried to to make it relive and so we should probably answer those questions before we get out, stop talking tonight. But um <laughs> yeah, I, I barely I barely use Facebook now and I'm I'm pretty happy about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and because you're busy with with real stuff. Well, um and also you've but you've extended this by meeting people that you met online in the real world. And so like I'm stoked that you're going to LA because um I think your LA connection is something worth uh developing you know like we may not go anywhere you know it may not yeah i just hate going there (laughs) well you mean because you have to fly into lax and
0: no just like the there's so many people there like it's just something we talk about a lot like how big los angeles county's economy is versus greece or anything like that i mean la has like what 20 million people in the metropolitan area and the metropolitan area is larger than los angeles county so i mean it's um I, it's fun when I go, I mean, it's, 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 it's good. I'm glad I don't live there though. Like I I've never, I've been there one time and I had a blast, but it was just because of my friends that were there. Like I'm not a tourist. I don't like being a tourist. So, but I agree. I think it's, it's worth my connections. there, are worth exploring. Um, I mean, if somebody wanted to, to pay me to be on a TV show or something, I'd probably do it just because for the experience and it might be fun, but, uh, I don't, Think that I don't think that's a reality, but worst case scenario, I have cool people that are semi-famous that I can go see the events at Reason Studios, um, where I'm going for Renegade University. So that's cool too. Like I, I like Reason. I used to subscribe to Reason Magazine. I I haven't read it probably in three years, but I think it. Like you said, it, I think it's it's worth going. I mean, the last time I went there, um. My comic friends were bummed out that I had to go to San Diego for the farming conference. So and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've definitely already hit up a couple of my my buddies, Sam Tripley and uh, Dean Del Rey, and they're both down to hang out. So um, hopefully, it should be a good time. I mean, if, hopefully, I'll have time.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it, you know, it's um, it's one of those things. Like Steve Jobs famously said, you know, you you can't connect the dots going forward. You know like in your life right you you know we only see you know the dots connect when we look back and so we we we're always kind of just groping around you know in that interface between the, the present and the future not really sure what's going to pay off what's going to um, develop into something bigger what's going to fail what's going to kind of fizzle i mean you know and so that's um that's why the kind of lifestyle we're talking about is is, is interesting though you know i mean i i always tell myself sometimes I'm really tired, you know, I mean, I turned 64 this year and I, you know, I'm in pretty good shape, but still I get tired, you know, and I think, geez, my life is so overbooked, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'm really busy and I can't really keep up with everything, you know, like it's probably, it's it's
0: probably time to scale back.
1: Well, there's that. And I, I have thought about it and, um, it's something I I'm sort of trying to plan, but it's also it makes for a very interesting life and so once you start having like you have all these multiple interests multiple income streams and this social network of people that are doing a bunch of different things everybody from comics in LA to to um, you know homesteaders in, in in Ohio Ohio yeah yeah that, but it makes your life really interesting and so then you 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 look at a like the kind of you know normal life people have and you go gosh I just would be bored out of my mind
0: yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, it's like a it's it's interesting because like I said, it's the one year anniversary, but if I want to get a job, I have good relationships to go get a job. My one buddy he was telling me he just got a job for a telecommunications company, which isn't it's it's like an old phone company. Uh I think it's like a Lec or maybe they're a lec now, whatever the hell those things mean. Any anyone from telecommunications would know. Otherwise, it's just a, it's just a phone company. So it's the the technical term is a leck. and I forget what it even means. And I'm so glad I don't know what that means. Um, I, I'm so glad it left my brain, Charles. So <laughs> <laughs> so the base is like sixty five grand, and then you get commissioned too. And he he, I mean, sixty five grand is a pretty nice base, especially if my mortgage is three ten forty nine. He's uh, been flown out to Chicago on them for a few times. He'll go there for a week and get trained and hangs out in Chicago. I think they flew him out to Denver, too, and just for trainings. And it's just like, yeah, that might be fun, but I th- would rather have what I'm doing now. I'd rather double down what I'm doing now and have something related to this stuff bring me out there. Um, that would be a lot more fulfilling. Um, you know, I've, I've a good buddy. He, uh, my buddy he's like the, the bee whisperer. He's just begging me to come out. He's like, you got to get out to Cheyenne. He's come out here twice. So, I mean, even if I have to pay my own way, if I record a podcast, I mean, that's technically a business trip. I make money from the podcast. So I'm pretty sure I could write that off. So that'd be, that'd be pretty good. So I could go out there for business and hang out with him and learn how to make mead some more or work with bees or whatever. I mean, that stuff's beekeeping. I mean, that, that could be, that's agricultural related. So maybe I could write it off there too. So I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, strategizing and, and looking at your life. I mean, you know, I talked about figuring out ways to monetize your lifestyle before I was doing it. And it was something that was so important to me because it's, um, you know, if, if you can make it, you should try to make an income off of what, what you're doing You have off your interests. And I think, um, that's the easiest thing. I mean, one guy I want to shout out is this guy uh Dan Cortez. So the last time we did a podcast was in April and I got an email from him. He was so booked. He thought about moving out to Columbus and or to Ohio and and then he's like, "Well, the rents aren't that different there." And and I was like, "Well, you know, man, I mean, you don't have to move here. Just figure out how to to get things going there." And then uh he wanted to get into microgreens, so I I'd, I'd helped him with some source material and then he was telling me he was already at a farmer's market last season. I'm like, dude, that's, that's crazy. Like you just heard me talking about what I was doing. You were interested in it and you went after it. And it's like, that's, 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 that's all I want. Like that's, that's, that's incredibly rewarding for me. I mean, and I'm, and I'm, and it's just like, you know, it's, it's cool that he could have been exposed to that or, and so now he's, he's trying to figure out ways to live his life. He's taking those first steps, and maybe he'll decide. Well, farming's not really it, but I'm really good at this too. So, like, I'm really good at something else. Maybe I can become a programmer or an IT consultant on the side and work for myself in that way. But I think, you know, being self-employed, I think um, it is a lot more responsibility, but it, there's a lot more freedoms with it. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, in our in our current society, yeah, there there is more responsibility, and sometimes that you you have to pay for it, but I'd rather pay for it than than have somebody else be responsible for my own income, because otherwise you're just gonna end up like I was a year ago and get laid off. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? And then you try to find a job that pays close to what you were making, especially if it' had a ridiculous job like I did, where I didn't really do much and I made a lot of money. Like I shouldn't have been. I mean, I I just knew I was gonna get laid off for that reason. I was like, uh, I wouldn't pay me to do this. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just kind of that they gave me. I made I made an extra $20,000 for giving away a product that was free the year before. So, I mean, that just boggled my mind. Like, how, how am I making money on something that we're not charging the customer for?
1: Yeah. And, you know, as a kind of final comment on that, because um, I know we've been talking for like a recording for about an hour or so, is that um, – you know, w- when you go off on your own, you're going to make mistakes because of that responsibility. In other words, when you work for like a company or the, the the government, then you just do what you're told, essentially, right? And you follow orders and you follow procedures, and you know that that's your life, right? That's what you're getting paid to do. So when you take responsibility, then you open up the possibility of failure. <laughs> I mean that's that's the deal, right? You make decisions. Not all of them are going to be right. Not all of them are going to be good, because you know our information is, is 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 imperfect, right? We're always faced with asymmetries. You know, like we know certain things, but we don't know everything, and sometimes we miscalculate about our 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 own self knowledge and stuff. And so, I, I my point here is you have to be forgiving of yourself. You know. You can't you can't demand like a hundred percent perfection of yourself if you're self-employed. It just doesn't work. You have to just go well. I did I did the best I could at that moment. I've learned something from that, and and basically limit your losses. You know you you know you just try to make sure that whatever goes wrong, it doesn't um, devastate you. You know and so and that that's a good strategy to have in life, right? And that's where a lot of these seniors that lost everything and are working in an Amazon warehouse. It's like, well, they trusted Wall Street that they were going to, you know, their nest egg was safe. And they, they thought that housing never, never falls. And, you know, and, and so people won't it ever doesn't, stop
0: paying their mortgages, Charles. <laughs> no, that's
1: right. And so, yeah. So anyways, be forgiving of yourself. The more the more responsibility you take, the more mistakes you're going to make. And um, and then therefore you just have to, like, uh, you know, uh, not be too hard on yourself. That, that's my little uh little nugget of advice to people listening to us and and, and uh, thinking about it.
0: That's so know? true, man. And I um I want to say I agree and enjoy the journey. I think it's it's the it's the biggest education you'll ever be able to give yourself, I think is self employment. And it's it's really fulfilling and it's really rewarding and it can be scary. I don't know if I could do this if I had a family. Maybe I'd be more motivated. I might be a lot more motivated because right now I'm, I mean, I'm like, well, I got enough. (laughs) Like, let me, let me indulge. Let me enjoy life a little bit. But you know, something that, uh, somebody said, a a listener, Eric, uh, Eric, my, my buddy, Eric, I've been meaning to meet. He's not too far from me. Um, and I will hopefully meet him soon was he's just like, Hey man, just want you to know, enjoy your show, but I just want you to make sure you're enjoying the process and when he sent me that email, like I was really kind of getting stressed about things, and I'm pulling just run out, and I was forgetting everything again. Like I was, I was, letting my emotions get the best of me, and like that, just that that one little thing that he sent me an email of was just just everything. And so it's just to me, it's like you know, enjoy the process, man. Like if something stops getting fun, you need to quit it. Pretty much stop, stop doing it, and figure out why aren't you enjoying this? Because yeah. Yeah. If you're not enjoying it, just go get a job. If you want to be yeah. miserable, go get a job. Make more money. Get a job. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing it for for a lifestyle. So, um, yeah.
1: And you have to take a break sometimes. You know, like give yourself a little space to, to enjoy life because you we all get stressed out when we're overworked. I mean, you know, it's just absolutely. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
0: So Charles, do you want to wrap up this show and do like a yeah. a, a 30 minute show on skepticism? On uh, fake skeptics, you got time since i I booked you an hour earlier than we planned, or you got stuff to do
1: no, no we can we could do that cool yeah half half hour works
0: cool sounds good to me, okay, guys, so this is this episode. Get ready for part two. We did this the last time too, and it we did really well, even though you were afraid you got too drunk, but all my <laughs> listeners loved it. whatever of your bloggers like la- they might not have wrote you about it, but people loved it. Now, I did get I did get nasty grams about my profanity, and they weren't really nasty grams. They were actually very kind grams, and I have tried to clean up my language because I, listening to hours and hours of Thomas Sowell, I don't think I've heard him say one cuss word yet, and I'm like, God, this guy has a very unpopular opinion amongst the African-American community and probably amongst even, like, he probably makes a lot of white people upset too. And this guy, it's not about white or black with him, but he has an understanding that his image and the way he portrays himself has to be on point. So then they just have to accept his arguments for what they are. So like listening to that and listening to yourself, I'm just like, you know, I'm getting older. I think I can, I can clean up my language a little bit. So I'm, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress, Charles. It's, it's a, you know, I am a Scotch Irish hillbilly that, Grew up in the rust belt, and so it's 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 hard to get rid of that bad, foul, potty mouth that I have.
1: Well, you're talking to an ex construction <laughs> yeah. worker, so tell me about it.
0: <laughs> so, okay, well, I'm gonna hit stop here, everybody. Okay, if you haven't, I am gonna do my sales pitch because I love doing it. Go to of2minds.com. Charles, have you published any more short books? On uh, how many more have you published?
1: Uh my little I only have two little ones out uh, the okay. latest one is called inequality and the collapse of privilege
0: Interesting Yeah that's a good one and and actually privilege is a good topic to talk about too because something that that when people talk about privilege what they should really be talking about is how they can go to a grocery store and buy stuff cuz that's a privilege cuz that's something that your parents and my grandparents probably didn't really have the privilege of having So There we go. We'll end on that. All right, guys. Okay. Thank you so much, and tune in again soon. Guys, so part two is actually a Patreon exclusive, so if you want to listen to that episode, um, go to patreon.com slash sample hour, and all it is is a dollar a month, guys. Just one dollar. So check that out um, on Patreon for one dollar a month. Uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, feel free to visit our affiliates. Uh, we have Nature's Image Farms. So if you want to get nursery stock, um, they have Bocking 4 and 14 of Comfrey and probably some other wonderful things. Go to naturesimagefarm.com and use code word SAMPLE and get 10% off and free shipping. Uh, another way, which I haven't promoted in a while because they pissed me off, is audibletrial.com slash sample hour. Um, right now I'm reading white trash. It's a good book. Um, so definitely check that book out. Uh, if you want a free copy, there are free copies of Charles's books as well. So if you would like to help support the show, there's a link you can click and you can get a free copy if you set up for an audible account. But if it is too much, just I, I bought them on audible. So you can just download them and set up a free account. It's usually easier Now, I do get a $15 kickback if you guys set up an account, so I would appreciate that. It's good for the show. So I'll tell you, I'll be upfront with what Audible pays, even though I still haven't gotten paid yet. So I don't know. So yeah. So I'm not 100% sold on that, but check out Charles's free books. They're listed in the show notes. Um, And go ahead and head over to Patreon. I think Charles and I decide every time we record, we'll do two shows, one Patreon exclusive and one... The main show, and then the Patreon exclusive is going to be a lot more prepared. So this time it was it was just kind of thrown together, and I just had an idea, and we started talking about it, and I probably had too many ciders as well. So um, really appreciate everybody that listens and that have become patrons. Um, and then if you guys are interested in learning how to propagate pawpaws, go to Versaland TV. Um, there's a link in the show notes of a cool little gif of a pawpaw going from seed to fruit so anyways guys
1: appreciate you tuning in and looking forward to bringing you more episodes soon